So we come to this enigmatic chapter 38 of Genesis, which is the Judah and Tamar story that is inserted into the Joseph cycle. Fishbane has said that you can separate Genesis into four cycles, creation, primordial cycle, uh, the Abraham cycle, uh, the Jacob cycle, and the Joseph cycle. Each has six chapters. So in the middle of the Joseph cycle, we have this Yehuda Tamar story. And I'm not going to go into the biblical criticism of it because that's irrelevant. The question, and not why it's inserted, we've talked about that before. I want to look at one particular verse because Tamar realizes that she's not going to get married. So she, what does she do? She employs subterfuge. And in Genesis 38, 14, it says, Vatosa big day almanuso. So she takes off her garments of almanus, of widowhood. Vatachas, and she covers herself, betsaif, with a veil. Vatitaleif, and unwrapped herself, or, uh, sorry, and wrapped herself, and she stays at the crossroads, Pesach and then the response is, as Judah's coming by, and he sees her, he thinks she's a harlot, why? He kisses her so the um, translation is because she had covered her face. One second. Women of ill repute would uncover their face. So Rashi says that, that uh, he thought she was a Zona because she sat at the corner. He couldn't see her to recognize her. Well, that doesn't mean she's a harlot. So then he brings in the medrash, and it's the medrash that says, because when she was in the house of her father, her face was always covered. So Rashi says that she covered, right? It doesn't answer the question because he didn't recognize her because she covered her face. That's the shot. But the medrash then says, he was he didn't recognize her because when she was in his house she was so tsanua that she always covered her face. It's very interesting. So wait, so on the crossroads there was she covered or not covered? Well, the pshat is she covered her face, but normally a person of ill repute would uncover her face. Mm-hmm. Where do we find that? So he would have recognized her if she had covered her face. But now that she uncovered her face, she couldn't recognize But the shot is that she covered her face. Now, there are midrashim that said she uncovered her face because... And I think I answered it because... Because she, in the covering, yeah, she recognizes she, the covering. Right. But then he wouldn't have gone thought that she was a harlot. So now that she was uncovered, it was like she was covered because... Right. So, right. Paradoxically. So, yeah. and, and the Medrash says there are two women in the Torah that cover their face that we're told that they covered themselves. One was Rivka, when she fell off the camel, she covered her face. And the other is Tamar, who covers her face. And what do they have in common? They both have twins. 
They both have twins. One good guy, one bad guy. Tamar Out of has, this one, Tamar has... His, his Tamar have his twins. Well, Tamar is Peretz and Zorach, right? I didn't know that. And who's gonna, who are they going to be? I don't know. Well, they're going to be the ancestors of the Messiah, the, the King David's Messiah. So we, so we, so through that, right? It's brought down all the all the things that will happen to her, who, that she will have these twins. Sorry, I'm late up. Now, th- this is all very nice at the midrashic level. The question is, what is this uncovering of the face and covering of the face, and what does that mean? It, well, if you're a harlot and you uncover your face in a society where all women's faces are covered, what happens? It's an act, it's an erotic thing. In, in Victorian England, we covered the legs down to the heels. And in halacha, you only have to cover to your knees, knees. right? Three inches below the knee when you're standing, <clears throat> when you're sitting. Oh, you see, Alan knows exactly how much he's to cover. Through, that's because he's been through the base Yaakov system. <laughs> oh, you went to I, base I, Yaakov, I, I Alan. I studied this. This is one side. <laughs> oh, they're going to love that this week. But, but the poskim said that in a Victorian age, a Jewish girl who is Tsanua can be no less parrots, parrots, preachers than a non-Jewish girl. And so, therefore, in an age where it's covered, and that's why in some Arabic countries, the Jewish women cover their faces just like the Gentile Arab women. My question is, what is this business about revealing the face and the erotic desire that comes about as a result of the revelation of the face? And how is how are we to look at that in, in the mystical sense? Now, I've never heard that uh, Jewish women covered their face. Oh, uh, actually, today there are some, I've seen it in Uman, <laughs> that uh, there are some extreme uh, women uh, who actually wear burkas, Jewish women. Oh, yeah. Never heard of it. All right, so let's dive into the Degel Machne Ephraim. Um, because Peretz and Zorach in the Kabbalistic literature and Tamar, these are very significant uh, mystical archetypes, okay? So let's just dig into the Hasidic interpretation. So the question is, what is Pesach Enayim? She, she, it's the crossroads, but why would you say it's Pesach Enayim, the opening of the eyes? The opening of the eyes. What kind of a crossroad is that? I know the North Circular Road. I know Golders Green. I know all the crossroads, but I've never heard of Pesach Inayim. Unless it was a place of ill repute, and that's why she hung out there, it literally means because like- it opens the eyes, and meaning eyes get boggled. The boggle eyes of the men who come past, right? It means the opening, hungry eyes. It means the, the opening of the eyes, something like yeah, that. Yeah, well, that's obviously the literal translation. But why would you call it that? That's not a name. It's not Golders Green, right? right? It's not Finchley. It's opening of the eyes, right? Vatesha bepesach name and why? Kirosa ki gadal shila vihilo nitnaloli isha because she saw pesach enayim. So this is all about seeing. She foresaw, hey, we're not getting anywhere. I ain't going to get my shidduch from this guy. My father-in-law promised me the next boy, and I'm not getting it. Because she's been through two, and now this is the third. But he promised. 
So the Degel, the grandson of the Baal Shem HaKadosh, says, let's talk about that and the fact that he thought she was a woman of ill repute because she had covered her face. She had covered those very eyes that were seeing that nothing is happening. So she covers them. So we're, we're at the level of remes, right? There's pshat. We looked at that. We're worried about that. Then there was drush. We looked at the medrash that said, you know, two women covered their faces. Now we're looking at remes. tamar. Oh, what's that about? The very word tamar is... Not the lady Tamar, not the historical figure Tamar, not the midrashic trope of Tamar, but Tamar in looking at the Torah at the level of Sod, the deepest level, meaning that this is the biography of God, not the biography of us, right? That's the level of Sod. That Tamar is Torah, Kitariag mitzvahs, in base osios ha Torah im osios kfulim he Because if you do this dre with gematrias and you add the 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 tariag mitzvahs that's six hundred and thirteen plus twenty two letters of the Jewish alphabet plus all the double letters manspach you get the mispar tof mem resh which is uh, six hundred and forty six hundred and thirteen plus twenty two plus four is six hundred and forty. So tamar has the same grammatical equivalent, gematria equivalent of the word Torah. Okay, fine. So now we have to reinterpret the whole story as if the Torah is at the crossroads and Jacob is the adept, the learner, the, 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 the Klal Yisrael, right? Jacob represents Yisrael. So now we have Yisrael, Torah, and God. And now we're now reinterpreting this whole story on the mystical level. Hine. And now when a person starts to engage with Torah, he wants to engage with Torah. Now, does she respond or not? Torah is Tamar. Person wants to study, that's Jacob, that's me. I'm coming to now, let's reading this text. And I'm reading this story of Jacob and Tamar. Kishamat mo Torah... So when I look at her, I am filled with desire, taiva. I'm looking at this beautiful thing called Torah, called Tamar, how he slips between the two, and I'm filled with this desire. Loma, eze, pshat, or drush, So she gives me these stories to arouse me to give me this arousal to say, wow, look at that pshat, look at that drush, why is she doing that? Why is she giving me these stories? So that I'll have this cheshek lilmo, afshehi shalo lishma. Even though that's not lishma, that's not for the sake of her, that's for the sake of fulfilling my taiva. I see the beautiful Tamar, I am filled with desire. Why? She is setting the trap. She's giving me these stories, this sipuri masias, so that I will be stimulated. What's the stories? This, this very story. The stories in the Torah. The narratives. Because she knows that if I come to her eventually I will come to see through the desire of 
the nakedness of the tiber and come to see the inner soul of this person. She will no longer be a woman of ill repute, but will end up being a woman of repute. What was I will come to her. We, we're, we're not right now considering Tamar what she's thinking, why she's doing this. Yes, she's saying, I want you to love me for who I am, not because I'm arousing desire in you, erotic desire. Of course, she. that's what she's thinking. That's her whole ruse. That's her ruse. She's, she's seducing Jacob in order to produce the next Messiah. How does she do it? He won't give it to her. Yehuda. So what does she do? She stands at the crossroads. Yehuda, not Yehuda. Yehuda, right? She uses the ruse for the ultimate purpose. V'zehu v'ateshev tamar, hainu ha-Torah, b'pesach So what's this pesach e'naim? Kitavahu le'enaim. Because it says in Bereshit chapter 3 that when Eve looked at the apple, she saw that it was beautiful to look at. It was desirable to the eyes, meaning the eyes started hankering after it. It's that gaze, that visual gaze, that erotic gaze that stimulated her and said, okay, I'm going to eat from that apple. It started off with the eyes. So the tava of the eye. So then the, now we understand why it's called Pesach Enayim. It's at the crossroads of the eyes because she is using his eyes at that crossroads to seduce him. Hainu, the Pesach, what does it mean at the opening? The Psichas Devarim. That means the initiation into Torah starts with the eyes. How do I seduce you? I can only seduce you with the stories and the nice. and the, That's how I start to draw you in to see the real me, the real Torah. Because in the beginning of my learning, wow, look at this archetype, this mythology. Look at this beautiful religion that I'm coming to. Look at these stories. They, they, they tell me a narrative about myself, who I am, right? Eating of the garden, the Yetzirah, the all these stories, they're just the beginning. They're just to draw you in. Most of us think that that's the be-all and end-all. And the Daigle says, no, 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 no. She's just bringing you in through the taiva of the Enayim. Maybe, maybe. It's not guaranteed that you will see through the stories and all this surface erotic visual imagery and desirability. And maybe from that you'll realize, well, I'm not going to settle for that. I want to see who you really are. What's really inside you? What's inside that Torah? So when he doesn't pay attention that this is the ikatachlis and to come to the true Torah, meaning there's a surface Torah and there's a true Torah. Wow. There's a surface Torah, the surface halachic behavior, and then there's the true Torah, the inside Torah. Oz, and if she sees that he isn't going anywhere with it, okay. So she covers her face. She covers her face when she realizes he's just interested in one thing, in the taiva, 
in the erotics of the gaze. He doesn't want to see the real me. Umit mimeno, and so she hides her from him. She sees that Yehuda isn't coming to her. He's not giving her that son. So she hides herself from him. The roe or Torah. So then he's just stuck with the surface Torah. He doesn't see the light in the Torah. The Nidmelo, and now the big mistake. This is the Arthur Scroll mistake. She'ain penimius Torah raksi puremasius. That this is just, you know, stories to give us Musa, to tell us how to behave. It's all about us. It's about us, about our failures. It's about what we need to do to be better people, as if that's what the Torah is about. Hu shemaramis ki ki al shela hainu. Meaning, when she sees that Sheila is, uh, Sheila is, is, is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and he's becoming an adolescent, it's time for him to go on Shiduchim, right? And, and she's out of the picture. Hainu. Aval kashiroso ki godo Sheila vihilo nitnolo. And Judah's not giving him to him. Meaning, he's not giving his inner self to her. He's not uncovering her mysteries as it says in the, the blessings of Jacob in Genesis 49.10, Shehu Mispar Moshe, Shiloh is the, the same gematri as Moshe, meaning Kiyovo Shiloh, that is, he's going to come to that inner level of Torah, which is the Torah of Moshe, which is the hidden Torah, which is her true essence, which is Shiloh. And he's not going to give it. He's just, he's just not willing to go deeper and deeper beyond that surface. He doesn't want to get to that deeper level. So then she hides herself. There's a quid pro quo. You want me? Then I have to uncover myself for you. It doesn't come automatically. You have to dig. You have to desire. You have to desire more than just the surface of the Torah. What does that mean? Then he mistook her for a woman of ill repute. There are two types of women. There are surface women who give their bodies to you. And then there are women of repute who go, that's not enough. I want the whole of you. Because he is now thinks on the corner, Pesach Enaim, that, you know, she's just a hooker, and that's what she is, meaning that the Torah has no insides. Raksipurimaisius, it's just the narrative, the biblical narrative. That's what Torah is about, a literary work. Why does he think that? Because she has covered her face from him. If she covers her face from him, then he has no access to her insides. All he sees is the outsides. Do you see this idea of covering the face, Pesach opening the eyes, covering the eyes, the desire of the eyes? There's this such a, an erotic feel to what the revelation of Torah's insides and a woman's outside versus her insides. Why would he... Use that as a metaphor. Why does the Daigle constantly, as does the Zoya, use this erotic metaphor as the only metaphor that can describe the adept's approach to mysticism? Because it has to be the deepest experience of a person. 
So he has to use that metaphor of the gaze of the eyes, the erotic gaze, right? The, the, the gaze that evokes that carnal desire versus the covering of the eyes so that you don't see that, but you see to the panemius. She's not going to open herself to anybody. She's going to cover her side, her, her, the light of her face. So he looks at her. She's a woman of ill repute. He doesn't see anything inside. She's just another hooker selling her body. That's when you, li- when you, when you settle for the surface when you settle for art scroll and you don't go deeper, that's what you're left with. She's not going to open herself to you. She's, she's a high-class lady. She'll just cover herself up and she's not available. So he, 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 he sets up at the, at the, on, the, on the way, meaning he then does this now he realizes I'm settling for this woman who's just surfaced. There's no deep connection between us. So now he says, this isn't enough, right? And so now he's looking for her to pay her back. So he goes to the men of the place, right? What is the Anshe HaMokom? Here, it's the local yokels. Did you see that hook? I, I, I owe her money. And she's got my staff and my signatory. I, I owe her some sheep. I got to pay my dues, right? Do you know where she is, where she's located? Well, here this means the person in his Cheshbon HaNefesh realizes how far he is from the deepest secrets of Torah. So he asks the Anshe HaMokom, who are those? He goes to those who have already done that journey, and they are in Dvekas with the deeper Torah, which is God. Inside that Torah is the Rabboni Shalom. And they're connected to it. Why? Because they didn't settle for the surface. So he goes to them and say, hey, how do I do this? How do I scratch this surface? And they say to him, what are you talking about? There was no, there was no woman of ill repute here. What are you talking about? What are you, you're fantasizing? There was no one here. Meaning, here, you're wrong when you thought that the Torah was a zona, meaning that you could be satisfied with her erotically just from the surface, just from her looks. There was no such person here. Doesn't exist. That's in your fantasy that you think you could settle just by being a bean counter and obsessively halachic and do your dafyomi, and you think that that's what it's about. Doesn't exist. That's your fantasy. She'ein bo pnimius, because there was no pnimius when you were looking at that Torah. Rak ikah ha-Torah ledabek be-pnimius torah The ikah they're teaching me now is, you've got to scratch below that surface. Don't rely on the visual. Why? Because look what happened to Chava. Tava se naim. You'll see the outside of that apple, and it looks so beautiful. And look where it lent, lent, ended you. 
So here now he says, because he's a Chassidish Rebbe, doesn't expect us to be Tzadikim, he says, there is a sequence as I approach my Torah learning. How? In the beginning, it's Shelolishma. Why? I'm the Pesach Enayim. Of course I'm going to see the Torah, but Pesach Enayim. That, that desire and that gaze, and I look at the Sipurim, and I see all this wonderful stuff, I'm going to be seduced by it, right? Sequentially, you realize that that addiction never satisfies, right? People tell me they start the mushrooms, they have this amazing spiritual experience, right? And slowly but surely, the negativity of that and the side effects gets more and more and the, the benefits gets less and less until the end. It's 99% pain and 1%, right? It switches. So you suddenly realize it doesn't deliver. See, there's no way to bypass that. You can't just study, you know, like in the Kabbalah sense. We're going to dive straight into Kabbalah without going through that first step of Torah and mitzvahs and medrash and remez. You got to go through that first to realize that it's only the surface. You can't go into the second without sequentially doing the first. And he may be, this may be a polemic against the Frankists who were living in the same neighborhood and who were directly diving into heretical Kabbalah, right, without going through Talmud. They were the contra-Talmudists. He's saying, no, you first have to do that. Then you come to that depth Torah, which is the main point. Now, in the Kabbalah, that, those two sons, right, the first is Peretz and the second is Zarach. His name is Zarach because the word Zricha, meaning Zrichas or Hatorah. There is a sudden dawn, the dawn of the sun, the Zricha of the Shemesh. There's a sudden dawning of the Or HaTorah, Keshelo made Lishma, when he finally learns Lishma for her sake. He's gone from, I'm here to satisfy my desire, Ta'avasinaim, to understand that I'm here to understand the panemius of her, of the Torah, of Tamar, of her insights, what happens then? I'm in Tveikas with Hamokram Baruch Hu, because the Rabban Shalom has hidden himself in the Torah, in Tamar. So it turns out that, that the product of my involvement with Tamar is Zorach, the future Messiah. So now I want to come back then to the Pshat, because let's go back to Pshat and learn deep Pshat now with this insight. There are two women who covered their face. And that is how they were able through Genesis to perform subterfuge to get their way. The whole history of Bracious is women behind the scenes working things, whether it's Sora by sending out Hagar, whether it's Rivka saying, I can't take this Ishmael, whether it's, right, Rochel and Leah. And here, Rivka and Tamar share one idea, and that is the covering of their face. The covering of their face is so that the husband, it's not that they were bashful. Yes, very Tsanua, Rivka falls off the camel, Tamar covers, covers her face, as Rashi says, because she covered her face even in the house so that he never saw her. His own daughter-in-law, right? Very from what well, now? It's the opposite. They were covering the face, the Anaim of Yitzchak 
and Yehuda, so that they wouldn't see the surface. They would be able to see into the depths of what they were really about. It's absolutely brilliant, Daigle, that brings to bear all the Kabbalah, which I didn't go into about Zerach and Tamar and Peretz and all those archetypes, and brings it into our avoider, meaning that the adept, the chassid, the person who wants to attach himself to the tzaddikim who are in Devekas, is learning from them that there is a sequence of uncovering my erotic desire to get to the inner part of me that's reflected in the Torah. The Torah then becomes a mirror of our own souls. Our eyes are seduced by the outside world, by the surface of it, by the erotics of desire. And Malabé, you have to read all these post-Freudian French critics to understand how everything out there has, has some kind of eros attached to it. And we're getting beyond that surface to see into the Tamar, which is the Torah, which is a mirror of our deeper selves. And it goes through from the stories of the Sipure Masias. And Rav Nachman says, I don't want you to look at my Sipure Masias, that the Torah is just a bunch of fairy tales or mythic fables, but to see through that this is a mirror of your own inner divine.